Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. Now, this is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. This podcast will take you long ago and far away and bring you back safely, and I have two stories for you today. The first story is by Liz Weir, an Irish storyteller. Now, I met Liz in Colorado, and I followed her to Ireland. I followed her to her hostel where she took in me and many other strange people, gave us biscuits and tea, told us stories, and listened to our stories as well. She's my mentor and my friend, and I'm very excited to start the podcast with one of her stories. This is The Fisherman's Baby. There was once a young fisherman who lived with his wife on an island off the west coast of Ireland. They had a baby boy. And to see the young man with his son, you'd think no one ever had a child before. He was so proud of him. He fed the baby, changed him, took him for walks. And this was years before young men did that sort of thing. He'd carry his child down to the seashore and say, when you're big... You and me will go fishing together. But if his wife ever heard him, she said, No, no son of mine's ever going to go to sea. Far too dangerous. But the baby would smile up at his father. They had an understanding. When the child was four months old, a message came to say that his grandfather was ill. The young wife said, I can't go and look after him. I can't bring the baby to a house with fever and... I can't leave him here. Her husband said, why not? Don't I feed him? Don't I change him? Don't I take him for walks? Sure, the fishing season's nearly over. I'll mind him while you go and look after your father. So away she went with a happy heart. The young man was as good as his word. He cared for that child. They had fun together. But then a knock came to the door. It was another young fisherman. He said, are you coming out? It's about the last good afternoon's fishing we'll get. Come on out for an hour. The young man said, but I can't go. I'm looking after the baby. Bring him with you. No, my wife would kill me. I can't bring the baby out in the boat fishing. Sure, is he sleeping? He is. Well, bring him. I have a place where he'll be safe. We'll just fish for maybe an hour. So the young man wrapped the sleeping baby in a blanket, placed him gently in the boat, and they rowed to the northern tip of the island where there was a huge sea cave. They carried him up in, and there was a rocky ledge where they carefully set him down and placed stones around him, no chance of him falling off. They were only going out for maybe half an hour. And the two young men went out to fish. It was a grand enough morning. But all of a sudden, the wind changed and the sea started to boil up and the two young men knew they needed to go back to that cave before the tide would wash over it. But they were too late. A big wave caught their boat and the next thing the young man knew, he was lying on the shore, looking up into the eyes of his wife. Where's my baby? she asked. He shook his head. He had no answer for her. The storm raged for two days 
And for two days and two nights they waked that child. And the young woman never spoke to her husband. But when at last the wind dropped and the sea became once more as smooth as a mirror, she turned to him and said, Find my baby. Bring him home to me. So the young man stepped into his boat, rowed up to that cave, pulled up the boat and stepped inside. All was silent, but he detected a movement when he turned his head. It was nothing but a seal suckling her young. He went forward to the rocky ledge and when he looked down, the heart went sideways in him, for all that was there was a blanket. How could he bring this home to her? He held it in his arms and turned to come out of the cave. But as he did so, didn't a seal slip off the rock into the sea, leaving behind no seal pup, but the baby with the milk of the seal round his lips? The seal had suckled the child for the length of the storm. The young man wrapped him in the blanket, set him in the boat, rowed to the shore, There stood his wife, and up into her arms he said a happy, gurgling bundle of joy. And they say if the wait lasted two days, the party on that child's return lasted a full week. And ever after that, no one from that island ever killed another seal. Story Story Podcast would now like to make a public service announcement. This public service announcement is paid for by the Irish Fairies, who would like to remind the general public that they have owned particular trees and hills since time began. They would appreciate it if you would not touch their trees. Should you decide to touch one of their fairy trees, they cannot be held responsible for any misfortune that befalls you afterwards. Thank you. This second story I have for you today is by another Irish storyteller. Her name is Claire Murphy, and I have seen her perform as well on a number of occasions. Now, when I'm not distracted by her unique sense of style, she wears suspenders, what, what, or some might call them braces. She somehow is able to create the story before my eyes in a way that makes me hold my breath the entire performance. Next up, Claire Murphy in The Legend of Knock Grafton. So Galway's a little bit like, like Jonesboro. It's lush, it's green and verdant, but the, the one thing we're missing is this strange orb you have in your sky. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite bright and very strange, but I've got protective clothing uh, for that. So it's lush and green and verdant, and the, the stories are as common as the stones and the blades of grass. And there's a story that comes from about 150 years ago or so. And all that time ago, a tiny baby boy was born. And when the midwife caught him and she looked at him, and she was checking him all over, you know, before she handed him over to his mother and she turned him over and she stopped. Because there between his shoulder blades, there was a tiny little bump. 
And she knew, she was wise, she knew this bump would grow. So when she handed the baby over, she said, I'm so sorry. And the mother took her child, she turned him over, she saw it and she knew. And as the baby grew into an infant, the bump grew into a lump. And as the infant grew into a boy and a young man, the lump grew into a hump. And by the time he was fully grown, 17 years of age, this was as tall as he could stand. And his hump was so heavy that when he sat down, he had to catch his chin in his hands to stop it bouncing off his knees. And of course, with that weight on his back, he could only walk very slowly. And he couldn't do the work that most men could do in those days. He couldn't be digging ditches or building walls. But he had to find something to do because he was very poor. And although he had that terrible hump, he had fine fingers, great for weaving. And that's what he became, a weaver. He would go down to the river and he would cut the reeds, he would soak them, he would prepare them, and he would start weaving the baskets and hats that he could sell at the market. Now, I don't know how many of you are Irish-American or Irish or descended from Irish people. Those of you who aren't, well done, you escaped. (laughs) But those of you who are know that in Ireland we're we're lovely, but we have a great tradition of begrudgery. (laughs) So no matter how bad you have it, somebody will hold it against you that you don't have it worse. So, it's true. So, Lusmore would be wandering his way through the marketplace, and the women would be standing around. Do you know why he's so good with his hands? It's because the devil lives in his hump. But Lusmore, he was so good natured, he was so lovely. He walked around with a smile on his face. He heard that, he ignored it. He did his best to dress well. He all he had was rags, but he would wear a little flower just there on his lapel. And it was the fairy cap, or the Lusmore flower, which is where he got his name. And so every day, that was what he would do. He would weave his baskets and hats, and he would take them to the market. Well, one day, he had been working solid for a week. He had all the baskets and hats he could find in his house, and he managed... Set out before dawn, the long walk to the big market in the next village. It would take him three, four hours to get there. I only have a little bit of time, so I won't do the whole thing. (laughs) He got there. Three hours later, he set up. I have to leave a little bit of time for Bill. And by the time he set up, the market was in full swing, and he waited. And the women started to come by. Bridget, that's a lovely basket. That would do for your potatoes. Oh, yes. That, should that hat, Mary, that look great on you. And the women started buying. And the penny after penny after penny started to drop into Lusmore's hand. And penny after penny after penny into his pocket, making it heavier and heavier and heavier. Which is why he didn't leave mid-afternoon when he usually would to make the long walk back. He waited, he waited after, as woman after woman after woman walked by and bought hat after basket after hat until there was nothing left. And he had a handful of coin. He could live on that for a month. (laughs) 
By the time he started the walk home, the sun was starting to set. And the walk home wasn't safe after dark. So he looked around to see if he could find somewhere to rest. And he saw just off the side of the road this, this hill. And he figured if he'd get to the top of that hill, he could rest his hump against the hill. He could get a bit of sleep and go back when the first light came up. So he shuffled his way up to the hill, made his way to the top and just... It gets very cold, you know, right around the twilight. And the dew was in the grass and he did his best to get to sleep. And it was... It was damp and he was feeling a little bit sorry for himself, you know, but he thought best to just pass the night. So he just... He had heard something, but he didn't see anyone. He figured it was just him, his imagination, right before he dreamt, you know. He looked around and he saw no one. So he listened very carefully and he heard, Day loom, day march. Day loom, day march. Beautiful song, simple words, just old Irish, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. But the sound of the voice, the harmony inside of it was so beautiful that lost more. He needed to listen with his whole being. You know what that's like. He just stilled himself and he listened. Day loon, day march, another voice. Day loon, day march, another voice. Day loon, day march. And soon there were hundreds of voices all singing. Ready? Day loon, day march. Day loon, day march. Day loon. Lusmore was listening to this and the song was so beautiful he felt it fill up his heart. He felt it race through his blood into his stomach, down into his toes. He felt it fill up his eyes, the tears rolling down his cheek. He even felt it go into his hair. And that's why he joined in. Day loon, day march, a day loon, day march. And he was so inspired by the singing that he added a day. August day, Kadeen, and Wednesday. (laughs) Well, the song stopped. And all of a sudden, this huge wind picked up and started spinning around the hill, faster and faster and faster. And then it picked up Lusmore, up into the air, spun him around and around and around until he went inside the hill. And now he was on a gentler breeze, and he could hear all the voices Day loon, day march, day loon, day march, day loon, day march, August day, Kadeen. When he landed, he looked up and he knew he was inside a fairy hill. He knew this because he was looking at hundreds of fairies. And he knew this could go one of two ways. If any of you know anything about the Irish fairies, it can go very, very well. Or very, very horribly wrong. So he waited, and a little fairy ran up, landed on his knee, and looked up at him. 
Lust more, lust more, your words we adore. Don't deplore your hump no more. Look to the floor, lust more. Look to the floor. And when he looked on the floor beside him was his hump. Stand up, lust more. And so on the fairy's instructions, lust more stood. Stand up tall. And for the first time in his life, he straightened his back. He felt so tall he thought he would hit his head off the roof of the inside of that hill. And all the fairies, all the fairies started to cheer. And Lusmore was so overwhelmed that he passed out. His Irish men, they don't cry, they just faint. And when he woke up, it was the next day and he was outside the hill and he had the little blanket around him and the sun was coming up on his face and he thought, oh no, was that a dream? Oh, that was the cruelest dream I ever had. And he took his hand to his back. Don't let it be a dream. Don't let it be a dream. And he put his hand there and the hump was gone. And he looked down and his rags were gone. He was wearing a brand new suit. So he said a little prayer of thanks into the hill. A little prayer of thanks up to the sky. Cover both bases, you never know. <laughs> and he decided to walk home the way a man with a straight back would walk. The way he imagined it anyway. <laughs> and on the way, he met some of his neighbours. How's it going? <laughs> and the neighbour, who are you? It's me, Lus Moore. See? He had the little flowers still. But you, uh, you're, you're, you're looking very well. I know, lost my home, fairies took it, gave me a new suit. See you later. <laughs> and he was gone. And you know the way it is with stories, the story got there before he did. And all the people were standing outside. How are you doing? Good to see you. How's your mother? And then he went back to his life. Nothing changed. He went to the river every day. He cut the reeds that he needed. He made his baskets and hats. But the story traveled out into the ears of that woman, the woman who'd spoken about him at the market, and she showed up at his door. Yes? Are you Lusmore? Are you the one that lost your hump? Yes. Well, would you ever tell me what happened to you? Because I have a nephew, Jack Madden, nicest boy in the whole world, has a terrible hump. So if you tell me, I can tell him and we can get rid of his. Oh, of course, of course. He brought her in, he made her a cup of tea, sat her down, and he began to tell her the story. Well, I had made a lot of baskets and hats. Yeah, listen, I don't have all day. Right? This isn't a storytelling festival. Just give me the short version. So he cut right to the chase about listening to the song and joining in and the fairies meeting him and taking his hump, and she got the whole thing into her head. She said, thanks, and was gone. And she got outside her little tiny cottage, the little two-room cottage she shared with her nephew, Jack Madden, sweetest boy in the world. And she could always hear him because the gate creaked as she went in. She heard him inside. Auntie! Auntie, is that you? You've been gone all morning and me starving. You out gallivanting. Oh, that's my boy. (laughs) And she raced in. She told him the whole story and he said, what are you waiting for? Let's go to that hill. And so she got him outside and he said, I'm not walking. Get the wheelbarrow. 
So she got the wheelbarrow and Jack Madden climbed into it. Right, go! All right, Jack. It took her a long time. Again, I won't do the whole thing. She got him to the hill, dumped him on the hill. And she said, now don't forget, Jack, the song, listen to the song. And Yeah, I know what to do. Get lost, you'll scare the fairies. So the aunt was gone, and Jack Madden waited for the sun to set. Come on! Come on! Finally, it started to set, and he sat there. And he heard the very first tendrils of the song. And the voices began to sing. Day, loo, day, march. And Jack heard them. Day, loo, day, march. But he wasn't thinking about the beauty of the voices. He was thinking that Lusmore added one day and got one new suit. He would add two days and get two new suits. So by the time they got to... August day, Kadeen. He didn't wait. He didn't cry. He didn't listen. He just shouted, August day, dear Dean. August day, Hina. And Thursday and Friday. (laughs) Song stopped. The wind came in. Faster than a gale force in off the sea. Whipped faster and faster and faster around that hill. Picked up Jack Madden. Threw him into the air. Dived him down into the hill. And now he was spun inside that hill. Banging his head off the walls until he was dropped on the ground. And that's when he saw all the fairies. That was the first moment he thought he might be in trouble. (laughs) Because all the fairies were looking at him. And one little fairy, on his knee. Jack Madden, Jack Madden, those words were so bad and that song that once gladdened our hearts. Two humps for you, Jack Madden. Two humps for you. And 20 fairies picked up Lusmore's hump ran up Jack Madden's back and with their little hammers and their little nails. (laughs) And then they threw him out of the hill. And that's where his auntie found him the next morning. Now, she couldn't even get him in the wheelbarrow. She had to get a cart from a nearby farmer. And he helped to bring Jack Madden home. Now, one hump is bad, but two humps will kill you. Jack Madden lasted three days. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go singing with the fairies. Shirei Mushkeo, and that is my story. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode one. And you can leave a rating and a comment on iTunes or however else you find your podcasts. If you would like to support the podcast, please do. We're on Patreon, a website that allows you to make a monthly donation as little as $4 that'll help keep lights on. Or you're welcome to do a one-time donation and buy me a cup of tea. Both options are found on the website and both are greatly appreciated. If you'd like to stay connected or offer feedback, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or join our mailing list. Let us know your favorite story that you've heard on the podcast so far or the favorite stories of your childhood. Now next week, we will take a walk in the mountains and discover some tales taller than the trees. Until then, I hope you live happily ever after.